Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and tonight we are hosting a show-and-tell episode with the fine folks over at Absolute Tabletop, and they're currently kickstartering campaign setting A Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grin. Tim, Michael, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, man. It's awesome to be here. Now we, I think we we talked during your last Kickstarter for the uh, a froze the Oath of the Frozen King right. uh, adventure kit, which went crazy. I mean, I don't you guys like like two thousand percent funded or something? Yeah, I don't eat Barker. Do you know the number? You're our treasure golem. Oh uh, man, that percentage I don't remember, but it was it was crazy, absolutely crazy. It was a lot. <laughs> so congratulations. Thank you very much. And uh, we are back tonight to talk about another Kickstarter that you guys are doing. But before we get too far into things, um, so people may not know your voice, so we'll start with you, Tim. So, Tim, with Absolute Tabletop, you are one of the co-founders. Yes. And with this particular project, you're like the project lead, also slash art director. That's correct. Um, So what else would you want people to know so they can get to know your voice? Uh, Well, I absolutely love helping people be more creative. You know, I genuinely believe that unused creativity is not benign and that anyone can be more creative. And that's really one of the things that we inject into any book from Absolute Tabletop is just helping people bring their own games, their own worlds to life. And so that's that's what I would want people to know. All right, fantastic. And then, Michael, for this project, you are writer slash editor. And then I understand that you're also the treasure golem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, the treasure golem, indeed. Uh, I am a, a writer and editor for this project uh, that Tim is not only leading up, but is actually kind of designing the whole new idea of what a kind of campaign setting guide kit is, you know, what this sort of book line can become. Uh, I do in every way, not just this um, project work the finances of absolute tabletop and i would like people to know that we make what we'd use that is the number one thing that we always go into every project uh we we go into every project with that mentality we always think what is fun for us and well other people tend to find those things fun too and they (laughs) like adventure kits as well and it's it's been a real blast all right, very, very cool. Now, Tim, you and I, we talked, actually, this is the third time I think you've, you've been on the show because you and your brother, who run the Tabletop Terrors YouTube channel, which is underneath the Absolute Tabletop banner, uh, you were on the show and you basically destroyed one of our games because you got us to a point, we just couldn't continue it. It was it was awesome, but we were like, we can't top that. I guess we're done. Hey, we heard that only, like, we kept listening because we wanted to see what happened next. And we were like, oh, no. It's it was like a really flattering thing, but then it was like we didn't mean to break it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was totally our fault. But we both like Caleb and I are both like, where do we go next? And we're like, I don't know that we can top that, so let's just end it on a high note. Thank you. Oh no, thank you again. I appreciate what you guys do. I think your channel uh, does some wonderful things, and and the products you guys have made. I mean, obviously they're doing crazy well. For anyone listening to this, the day it's released, there's going to be about a week left or so, maybe a little more, on this current Kickstarter. Again, I think last time I checked, you guys were at 800% funded. So well over that, looking at some stretch goals. So let's let's talk about it. What is A Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grin? Sure. You know, the, the boilerplate is that A Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grin is a campaign setting guide, but it's also a world-building toolkit. So you can make your own version of the world. 
And so one of the things we talked about is if it's cool with you, I actually wanted to ask you a question. Oh, absolutely. So I listen to your podcast a lot. Um, I'm a fan. And, you know, if you're, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. How often when you prep your games, have you ever opened up a campaign setting guide to do it? Oh, very, very rarely. Uh, the last time would have been I was running a try to be a pure Eberron game. So this would have been 3.5 days. Uh, so a long time ago. Don't you think that that's problematic? To a point, for me particularly, I enjoy homebrew so much that I'm going to make my own stuff. So a campaign guide, if it's just information about that world, doesn't really help me a whole lot. Exactly. So here's what we're setting out to do with the Dead, Man Guide, Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grin. What if we created a book that was written in such a way, taking cues from Oath of the Frozen King, our modular adventure module, where we create these pillars of lore that you can use. You can flip open and you can use, but they're modular. What if I handed you a book and said, hey, make this your own? It's not walls and walls of just text that you have to memorize. The way you described that Eberron campaign to me, it was like you were doing a research paper. <laughs> Is that how you felt when you were prepping it? Uh, actually, well, oddly, I felt like the teacher because I had a bunch of players who weren't familiar with Eberron. Uh, and this was back in the day before, you know, again, this was 3.5 days. I didn't have the, the technology tools I have now. And I retyped pages of the, the text straight out of the book, multiple oh, pages wow. at a time and would email them and say, here's all the houses. And then I would expect them to read it. None of them did. I said, here's how the dragon marks work. Expect them to read it. Never did. So I had to educate them about Eberron. Because otherwise, there's no point in playing an Eberron. Like, again, I love Eberron. It's my favorite, you know, campaign setting that's out and that's published, not, not my own. But if the other people don't know it as well as I do, then it doesn't really mean anything because that's the benefit of that campaign setting is that, you know, the, everything that's built into it. So it really didn't help. And it was just a lot of extra work. Yeah, exactly. And that is what we're trying to obliterate. So using Eberron as an example, what if I gave you some really cool bullet pointed lore, maybe a paragraph about the dragon marks. But then I also equipped you with some really sick roll tables so that you could decide how they work in your world. I'll tell you how they work in our world very briefly. But what if I then gave you three different roll tables to kind of design your own dragon marks for your campaign? And when you sat around, did your session zero, you and your players could roll on that table together. Don't you feel that that would be way more cool and interactive than them reading a bunch of history papers? Well, since they didn't read it, I can't, that's not even a fair comparison. <laughs> exactly. Th that is what we're setting out to do. And, and I would say that, I mean, in, in realistically, you know, in, in total truth here, that's kind of what I ended up doing anyways. And that's one of the reasons why I've kind of gotten away from using any campaign setting, because so often I'm in a position where I just have to make it up because I don't know and they don't know. So it doesn't matter as long as it makes sense at the time. So I'll just make stuff up anyway. So if I played Eberron today, I probably would just... Like my house, Vesalus may not be what the house Vesalus yeah. is in the book because I forgot. And in the moment, I needed them to do a thing. So absolutely. And and this connects directly back to your last Kickstarter, The Oath of the Frozen King. I remember that was one of the big things we talked about is that that wasn't a module. It was like tools that would help you make your own module, but it also was a module if you wanted to just run it. So it sounds like you, like I said, you're just kind of building from that template from an adventure to a campaign setting. 
Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And there will definitely be concrete lore because that's the thing I think most people would be alarmed at is you can still take the book and run it as is. I don't want you to feel like I'm handing you a bunch of ingredients that aren't already built together. And I learned this trick from playing under Barker. Uh, Barker is one of the most sort of like improvisational game masters. He's the first person that when we got to a door, I've ever heard a dungeon master go, okay, tell me what's on the door. I was like, uh, 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 me? And so, <laughs> and and all of the books that he's written previously were just these roll tables to invent and create. And it's like, well, what if we put them together like we did in Oath of the Frozen King, where you can go to the table and see, here's the nation clearly laid out. But here are five modular pieces where you can either pull from another nation, you can write your own piece to slide in there super easily, or you can just use the fact that it's a forested region and I've got you covered on those roll tables too. And that's just to name one thing. So trying to wrap my head around that to a point. So we've got a physical book, The, the Dead Man's Guide to Dragongrad. Is it something where like the first third is a module and then there's a third that's tables and then there's a third that tells you how to use them or they intersperse like here's some lore, here's some tables about lore, here's and you know, here's an encounter, here's how you design your own encounters. How does the book work? Well, that's a really good question. So, and if you visit the Kickstarter page, well, which I'm sure will be linked, yeah. We wanted to make it very clear how the book would be laid out. It is sectional. So it will not be separated like that. There's really not going to be any particular modules per se. But the other thing that we're really proud of about this book is that it's built for both sides of the screen. So we are purposefully loading it with equal amounts for players and dungeon masters. This is a book that both could own super easily and still have fun. So without boring everybody, I'll just run you through very quickly. There's a primer. Then there's a nice meaty section for character creation. So anywhere in there would be where you have like our cool our cool new background generator or uh, like we have class ideas and how you'd become that class in Dragon Grin thematically. But then it goes through different regions, life or, or different sections, life in Dragon Grin, the regions in the world, the wonders, which are the things that make it Dragon Grin, like the, the crazy things. And then there's an entire section called the darkness of Dragon Grin, which is like thematic combat. Uh, thematic treasure monsters for a dark realm. And then we wrap it up at the end of that with an additional toolkit, which is all modular tools and options for customizing everything else in the book. So one of the things that I like about Eberron, again, I'll just, I've, I've said it many, many times, Eberron is my favorite public setting so far. But I love the feel of Eberron. Like it, it's the top, it was the campaign I would have created if I was more talented and wasn't lazy. But I love that pulp action adventure style game that's also D&D. So assuming that we just want to get this campaign setting because we like playing in Dragon Grin, what is the feel of Dragon Grin? Like where does it fall in the spectrum of like high, high magic, pulp fiction, dark, gritty? Where, where are we looking at? So when I think of Dragon Grin, I think of what if... What if evil actually won in those famous fantasy settings that we all love to play in? What if there were actually some sort of dark power who extends their reach across the realm and makes everyone bend the knee to this power, as I was talking about? And 
And what would that look like? What would it be like to play as a hero in a game? I love Eberron, man. I love Forgotten Realms. I love all of these settings that I've played in for all their variety of reasons. But I I feel like Dragongrin hits on a note that I've always wondered about my whole role-playing game life. And that's, what if I'm a good guy and the world's a bad guy? And what would that be like for an adventurer? Uh, in this world, where could I, as a player or a dungeon master, have fun in a world like this? And I think Tim is among the most creative people I've ever met, and he has found a way to tap into your own version of Dragongrin, your own version of this dark, evil has one campaign setting, and so no two can ever be the same. Using bullet points and tables, uh, this book provides you with the ability to turn those those marks into a variety of things for your world, as Tim was saying. But it also allows you to take, you know, bits and pieces like this dark power and actually put it into a completely different campaign setting. This the 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 modular nature of the book is not only my favorite part of it, but it it stems so perfectly from the dark world evil has one theme. So I got to ask the, the the title is a dead man's guide to dragon grin. It could have very simply been called dragon grin, a campaign guide. Sure. So what's the deal with the a dead man part? That's a great question. So we are framing this entire book as a journal written by the big bad evil of the world. So that's, yeah. that's the viewpoint. Uh, just because that sounded cool to us. So at first when we released the title, we didn't tell anybody why. And they were like, oh, what's that mean? And we had sort of some threads guessing and, and so on. Eventually we released, no, he's the dead man. Uh, essentially, the 15-second elevator pitch is this powerful uh, entity basically learns that his timeline is ending. So he's looking through into the future and can not see himself. So rather than uh, you know, accept that end, he begins to steal the days of others, even reaching across realities and becoming this being called the Dismembered Lord. And so the Dismembered Lord is essentially this chrono lich, steals the days from other realities and even parts of his own. We thought that would be a cool perspective to write a book from. And a, a really cool narrative framing device because if this person has elevated themselves to this sort of strange, twisted, almost deity level, you can throw in memories from other people and different things that could fit the framing device. So that's why it's called a dead man's guide to dragon grin. You're basically getting if Darth Vader wrote a diary in a fantasy realm. Okay. That, that <laughs> does sound actually very, very cool. Uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on, but I was just really curious about the title. So I kind of out of sequence here. But one of the things you talked about, what Michael does, like that time when you were playing and he said, you know, what's on the door? Uh, that's one of the things we talk a lot about on our show that, you know, I, I want to do more of that. I want to give my players uh, some incentive, some narrative buy-in when I say, what's the name of the shopkeeper? Or, or you know a person that works at the docks. Who is it? How do you know them? And it sounds like this book is basically doing that same thing from the campaign guide to the DM. You know, you're asking me, like, this is Dragon Grin, but who do you know at the dock that we didn't put in the book? It's all inspiration, right? When you open up a campaign setting guide, as you were talking with Eber uh, about with Eberron, when you crack it open, you're no matter what page you're reading, you're looking for inspiration to run your game. The difference is that this book 
it has that in mind. It's written with that in mind that you're coming here for inspiration. We are going to make it again, like I said, using bullet points and tables as easy for you to take and leave as possible, whatever you want. All right. So let's get into a little bit of the nitty gritty. Because I think at this point, anybody who's listening, they're, they're either in or they're out at this point. Sure. Uh, so w- with a little bit more detail, if you don't mind, sure. walk me through how I could use the tools to design something in my game, whether it's an NPC, a location, an encounter. Like, you know, you don't have to read every number on the table, but like, what is it going to look like actually at the table when I've got my notebooks, my note cards, and my pencil? Sure. I think it's a really good question. The, like I said, the cool part is, it depends. Are you a player who wants to create a character in Dragon Grin, or are you a game master who wants to write an adventure or a campaign? DM wanting to run a campaign. Killer. Um, so to me, and Barks, what do you think? You know, we've we've got a lot. The book is, I think, right now going to be in the neighborhood of 360 to 375 pages, depending on where the stretch goals land. That's big. Yeah, it's it's that's a, big, that's a big book. It's about monster manual size. If you're thinking of like, well, what what is a sizable? Uh, it's about the same size as the monster manual. Barks, where would you flip? You think would you would you go regions? I feel like maybe. I feel like maybe I would go regions with it. I I think regions is fun. I am partial to the Typhons as well because as a dungeon master that's looking to create a unique entity and creature in my world, I'd use that. But the. Uh, I think region is a good place to start. I think you're right. Sure. So let's take these two pieces and say, okay, when you look, I'm going to walk you through. Normal campaign setting guide, at least the ones that I've used, you flip open the region and it's like, hey, here's a history book. It's kind of what it is. You got to just read through and you might get inspired as you go through, but really you've kind of got to read the whole thing or maybe even you're doing it wrong if someone knows Eberron better than you. So what if instead, when you go to the region section, immediately it's just the boilerplate of what the region is? So I think a good example would be something like uh, using Talus, the Shattered Wood. And I'm, I'll turn there right now, actually. So the book is written in a bit of a meta way, meaning we want to keep the framing device there, but it's also important that I understand that you're a game master. I think... Most surveys nowadays say game masters prep about an hour. So I have to make sure that if you're going to use your hour on my book, on Absolute Tabletop's book, that you're in a situation where it's a really well-used hour. Um, So, region starts out with the words of a dead man. It gives you just this really cool thematic thing to set you up for like, what does the dismembered lord think of the world? If you want to go high concept, dark evil, right? Then it gives you the regional primer. But what I'm trying to do here is not just say it has 3,578 dwarves, 879 elves. Like, what does that mean? No, we're lining it out like this. People, problems, what is it famed for? And then a couple other cool things that you would immediately hopefully get inspiration from. So, for instance, Talus is a sundered forest realm drifting high above the darkness of Dragongrin. Then we hit you with a quote. The legionnaires of Talus, the life tree, are always so tremendously polite, you almost forget the freshly sharpened blades white-knuckled into their palms. It's a quote from the dead man. Then we basically hit you up with, it's a city-sized floating tree of life, shattered long ago by an arcade incident. 
The people, it's home to the Talus Elves, who adhere to a strict case system, and they ceaselessly guard an entrance to the Famists. The problem is, the Fey magic of Talus is alive, but it is waning. And so then, from here, hopefully you're getting a picture of the realm right away in those three bullet points. Do you feel, Michael, like you're getting at least a picture of Talus already in a couple of sentences? Uh, yes, but the, the, what I'm seeing is that it's starting to sink. Like, that's the first thing. If it's waning, is that, is it slowly coming down closer to the rest of the world? And where else, what's going to happen when it lands? Well, that's that's funny, because that kind of leads into the thing that I wanted to mention, because uh, that's those options that you're looking for. How do I, you know, uh, those, I think, Tim, and you can step in if you're, if you feel, we offer something beautiful, something deadly, something secret, and something, uh, what's the last one, Tim? sickening something sickening and these are roll tables in each region that tell you uh it's almost like it, it creates like a lore triangle different bits of lore that you can tie together to create your own world so something secret might be this is just an option to throw out uh since obviously the book is being written currently but an option might be you know something uh something secret is that the leadership here in talus knows that talus is actually lowering sinking and soon it will fall to the uh the dragon grin below and uh and you can use that as a dungeon master to your liking and combine it with the other items on the other roll tables as well to create your own version of what's happening in this realm and why that thing that's happening is different than any other version exactly uh, we're also leaning on this idea we're going to give you some concrete lore but that's just not how the world works Ask someone their opinion on anything, and then ask someone else, and that opinion will be different, even if they looked at the same facts. And so these lore triangles that Barker's talking about, you and your players can have differing opinions about what's happening in the world to a degree. Now, before you take out your pitchfork, it creates a really interesting investment. So here's an example. The lore triangles we're talking about would say, some say, others posit, many believe. Just like if I asked you about something that happened in our world. I'm like, hey, whatever happened to such and such? You know, who invented the hamburger? <laughs> Three different towns claim it. So we inject that sort of real world in certain measured bits in the book. So if I rolled on something deadly, well, some say the dismembered lord has grown tired of Talus' continued existence beyond his control. And so he intends to light an enormous forest fire to bring it to the ground. But others posit that the and, and it kind of goes through and then many believe that standing on the edge of the shatter point and gazing into the great windblown void is a necessary rite of passage for adolescent elves even though it's turning some to evil just things like that where we're basically going to make you the dungeon master decide what your world is but if i handed the book to someone else they might choose something different in that lore triangle and say well no i think the hamburger was invented in this town <laughs> There is no hamburger. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. There is no spoon. <laughs> and now imagine you're a player and you're, you're like, you know what, guys? Let's go to Talos. We haven't explored this place yet. And you go there and you're the dungeon master. or Your dungeon master says, you know what? Go ahead and give me a roll. And they check those tables and you build Talos as you go. And I don't know a campaign setting that easily allows me to do that. Again, I love Ebron, one of my favorite campaign settings. I like my stuff a little more streamlined. Can't argue with that. And again, it, it's I, I do have some 
like again, I'm you know it's it's very evocative because I already have some some additional thoughts. That's just how my mind works. So my other thought was, I'll just throw this out as a freebie, that the magic is waning, and the only way that they're the elders are keeping the whole thing afloat is they have to sacrifice children. Uh, that's awful. But if they don't do that, then it falls, and the the players could get involved in a way trying to fix the why are the children going away and realize what the purpose is, and then you have that moral quandary of yeah. We don't want you to sacrifice killed children, but if this place falls, it's going to crush a city of a million people. What you going to do? I love, I love that it stirred you to think that because, like I said, these these are some big statements we're making. But I challenge you that most campaign setting guides would have told you that they would decide the and it's kind of what you're paying for when you pay the price of admission for that book. It's Talus is sinking. It is definitely sinking. You definitely have to sacrifice children. It's something you learn rather than create, and we're trying to shift that paradigm. And already, just this little piece we read to you, you probably would have come up with that, but Caleb would have come up with something different. And that's kind of what we're going for, because neither is necessarily wrong, because it's your dragon grin. So that's what we're doing up front, is making it okay to do that. So I would say, just in in all fairness, that most campaign guides at some point say, you know, make it your own. But it's like a sidebar on page 92. Breakout box, yeah. You know, and again, you have people who who know Eberron much better than I do. And if you try to deviate too much, there might be not necessarily like like conflict, but like confusion. Like, wait, you know, there's supposed to be 12 houses. Why are there only seven in your world? Well, because I can't remember all 12 of them, damn it. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's not how it works. So, you know, I think this is just like it's saying it's totally cool to color outside the lines because there are no lines to start with right and i love i love framing devices just like meta stuff that just explains hand wavy things we are making the bold claim that anyone who owns the book their version of dragon grin is canonical because you have you this got the framing device of the person still in worlds exactly so if I have a chrono lich who's looking through, you have your own chrono lich and you can make him or her whatever you want. And that means everyone's version is like, oh, okay. It's like the Marvel universe where it's like, no. It's like multiverse, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, our version of Dragon Grin is not any more cool or important than yours or anyone else who's back this or who would. I'm just a guy and my table is my table, but your table should be different and It'd be awesome if I could jump in there and play as an adventurer in your Dragon Grin canonically. All right. Uh, I am sold. So now we got to get to the nitty gritty. What's it going to cost to get a copy of this book? I will throw that to the clunk, clunk, clink, clink treasure golem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't go through all the pledge levels on the Kickstarter, and there there are a few. I usually like to, I like to start with like the cheap version, like, you know, like the PDF level. Uh, then there's usually like the hardback level, and then there's the super crazy fly you all to Nevada and we play a game in the, you know, <laughs> Sands Hotel and Spa Resort. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, Tim and I sail to your home on a cruise ship, and then we we allow we invite you on for a couple of days. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so for twenty dollars, you get the PDF of A Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grin, and you get uh, a, a bunch of other cool stuff. You get to hang out with us uh, in the hangout, uh, or you get to uh, watch a live stream. For $55, you get the physical copy of the book, the 375-page big hardcover copy that arrives at your doorstep. Now, the 
big one is $199 for retailers and people who want multiple copies. But Tim, do you want to let people know what they're getting for $100 uh, if they if they pledge that much? Sure. So at the $100 level, in addition to the hardcover book, you also get the full library of all of our absolute tabletop PDFs, which is, uh, it would be 19 other PDFs. Everything we've released up to this point, including Oath of the Frozen King that we've been talking about. You also get a really cool 18 by 24 printed full color map of Dragongrin. You get your name in the book. And in addition to the stream that Barker was talking about, that anyone who backs gets to be a part of, we're going to do an exclusive live world builder stream. It's going to be a world builder workshop and more details are going to follow on that. But that is only going to be for those who pledge at the $100 level, uh, which <laughs> we called the pledge level different monsters. And that $100 level is dismembered Lord. Um, so that's like the big ultra mega fly you to Vegas and uh, win a round of craps for you. <laughs> like that's the, the big one. So so basically 20 bucks. Dip your toes in with a PDF, 55 yes. for the hardback copy of the book, and then there's the $100 and then the $199 super backer level that gets all the cool extra bells and whistles. Yes, and if you don't want the map, there is one, like, and the world building workshop stream, you can downsize the $100 one. There's a $75 pledge. If you're like, nah, I don't want the map or the world building workshop, give me the book and all your PDFs, that's 75 bucks. All right, very, very cool. Now, so... Michael had mentioned the book is still currently being written. So what is the expected completion date? Like when would people actually be able to have this in their hands if they pledge? So the, the book is actually mostly written. We're at the point where we're trying to fast track the end process, like layout, assets, art, stuff, the stuff you really have to pay for, the printing, the shipping, like that stuff. And um, and, and I think that the that we are on track to meet our goal of April of 2019. This is uh, the everyone should have their pledges and their deliveries and everything by then. We've given ourselves a year, but we pride ourselves on getting stuff done on time. Oath of the Frozen King, people had their PDFs, boom, uh, by that that date that we listed uh, in October. And and personally, I'm really proud of that. And I don't ever want that to stop. It's very, very important to us that we deliver what we say we're going to deliver and that we do deliver it on time to people. Yeah, and I uh, one of the things we're doing with this project, too, that I haven't seen really anybody else do, but we make what we use, right? I hate backing a book and then forgetting about it, and then it shows up a year later, and you're like, oh, cool, and what do you do? You slide it right on the shelf because you're, you're not there anymore. The inspiration maybe isn't quite there. So we want to get rid of that. I don't want people to be all cool and happy and excited about Dragon Grin. And then they can't play in it for a year. So what we're doing is we're building this thing called the Online Production Diary. For backers, we're going to make pieces and parts of the book available as they're finished online. As very uh, sort of unearthed arcana. So not a ton of art. You're not going to get the full page layout. But you'll have the say a race when it's finished, or here's a region, so that people who back the book can actively play in the world. What that also does is it lets us get some feedback, you know, and, and people can tell us, hey, I'm using this, I like more of this. And we can dial some of that stuff in as we lay out and finish the editing process of the book. So that's another way we're going to get the PDFs into the hands of people 
uh, a bit at a time so that you're really ready when the book comes out. So something you said kind of spurred a question that I wanted to ask earlier than forgot about. So as a campaign setting, is this system agnostic or like, is there any 5e or Pathfinder stuff or is it all just information and you would have to do that yourself? Like if I wanted to create a monster from the book, are there stats or is it just fluff? Everything mechanical is 100% fifth edition. It is wholly 5e compatible. Similarly to Oath of the Frozen King though, because so much of it is inspirational there are largely parts of it that could be used for anything. And I got this from my good friend, Michael Barker here. He's the, he's the guy that taught me about system agnostic. No, really. He's the be a better game master guy. So yeah. So it's, it's both end. And that's really important for me too. System agnostic stuff. I think not only because of the system agnostic, I like D and D I play mostly D and D, but because when I hear, when I see system agnostic, or at least when I know that there's some sort of system agnostic stuff in a book, I know that that is allowing me to meet it halfway as a dungeon master. I can I can choose what I want. That excites me. That excites my creativity. All right. Very, very cool. Now, just in case someone jumps into this, they don't listen to it the first day it's downloaded, something like that. What is the actual date that the Kickstarter ends? The Kickstarter will be live until April 23rd of this year. So um, it, it essentially... You have, I would say, be safe and Sunday the 22nd should be the cutoff because sometimes they'll cut it off right at the time. Sometimes it'll go a little before, a little after. It's kind of strange. This is only our second Kickstarter, but we did have a couple of people say, oh, I went to back and I'm in XYZ time zone or XYZ country and I can't anymore and there's nothing we can do about that. So uh, the 21st or the 22nd would be the safest bet. Okay, and that was actually going to be my next question is I know some other companies, they will sometimes do the pre-order option. Like once the Kickstarter ends, you can still pre-order after the fact. Yep, you can absolutely plan on that. We did that with Oath of the Frozen King, and a lot of people really appreciated just being able to jump in late and still know that they're going to get the book. We're going to do something similar or the same with Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grid. So is there anything we didn't talk about that if someone's on the fence and they're they're close to wanting to go check it out or throw you guys some money and get a cool book— What's the one thing you're going to say that might push them over the edge and get them on your side? I'll start. I'll say, look at Oath. Look at Oath, then look in my eyes and tell me that we can't make this cool thing that we're saying we're going to make. Oath (laughs) is awesome. It's modular. And this is the next logical step from that. It's turning it into a campaign setting. I'm so excited about this book, Michael. I can't even, I I can barely handle it. That's what I would say. Look at Oath. we'll, We'll make something amazing. Trust us. And since this is an audio-only format, I'll have to let everyone know that uh, Michael's eyes were smoldering when he said, look into his eyes. I, I, have, I have a smoldering eye face. I just They're always smoldering. <laughs> All right, what about you, Tim? What's the one, one thing you want to say, okay, this is it, this is why? Because I want people to know that this, is a, this has been a dream of mine. You know, we all have our homebrews, right? We all have the world, the one. And I, I'm I'm lucky enough, and and I put in some elbow grease to show that to everyone. And I just want to tell you guys that just supporting this means a lot to me. You know, this is a next step for me to to try to do this full time. And and you know, that's probably not what you hear often. And I'm not going to try to pitch you on all the mechanics and all that stuff. That's all going to be there. We've proven that over 20 books. But we are just four guys who are nerds who played RPGs together, who are stumbling into maybe writing books for a living. And we want to earn a spot at your table. So that would be the thing I would tell you is give us a shot to earn a spot at your table and you won't regret it. 
and we're really looking forward to playing in Dragon Grim with you. Well, for anyone listening, please, there will be links in the show notes. Go check out A Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grin on Kickstarter until April 21st-ish, maybe 22nd, somewhere in there. Uh, hit it by the 20th and you're, and you're solid. Um, again, you can check out a lot of the stuff that Absolute Tabletop has done already. See the track record. You, you guys also have some things like some of the other PDFs are still available. There's preview links to certain things. Like where's the website they should go to maybe get a taste of other things if they are curious? Uh, so absolutetabletop.com uh, is where you'd go to check us out and see what we can make. Uh, also, we all, we each have different YouTube channels. Matt, who's not here tonight, is at A Fistful of Dice. Tim is at Tabletop Terrors, along with James, as you mentioned before. And I'm over at Be a Better Game Master. Uh, but Absolute Tabletop is the hub. That's where all the spokes lead. All right. Very, very cool. So... Without any further ado, we will wrap this up and we'll say goodbye to our good friends, Tim and Michael. Congratulations on the success already of the Kickstarter. Again, like 800% funded. Thanks, uh, hopefully a few more people will come check it out based off this and get involved in Dragon Grin and make their own version of Dragon Grin. So maybe someday they will publish their own campaign guide with the information that they borrowed from your book. That'd be awesome. We hope so. <laughs> That'd be great. Thanks. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>